0: Well, we can all agree that Jeff Carter ruins everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hello, Flyers fans. We are back again to inter- to introduce—that's the word—introduce ourselves to yet another new flyer. We did this with Rasmus Ristolainen the other night. Tonight, we are going to talk a little bit about Cam Atkinson, and we are joined by Alex from the Cannon. Alex, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Kelly. It's great to be here again
0: yeah so cam uh Camuel, I think is his full name cam atkinson um uh, cam word is usually what I go with, but yeah cam word, okay, okay, that's good, good to know. see, we're already learning cam word Atkinson. um this one's going to be I think, a little bit almost more difficult for me because unlike Ristallinin, there doesn't seem to be a lot of kind of disagreement about this trade. I think that for the most part, Flyers fans are pretty psyched about the idea of Cam Atkinson being on the team. Um, perhaps even more psyched about Jake Voracek not being on the team, but that's for a different conversation. Um, so I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about what we can expect from Cam Atkinson. Um, so let's just get right into it. It looks like, for the most part, he's been... Pretty consistent scorer, like um, career-high 69 points in a season. Nice. Um, Never really a point-per-game guy, always kind of hovering in between like a half a point and three-quarters of a point a game. So not like a crazy prolific scorer, but steady. And from what I understand, kind of like a a dependable player. What would you say – would be kind of like the baseline impression that we should get from Cam Atkinson.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is it's right to call him reliable when you're looking at it at a season by season basis. Um I feel like you could generally count on him in a full season for twenty five goals as a minimum. Like he was pretty consistently putting up twenty to twenty five um as a baseline mark. And then um he had one season of thirty five goals and one season of forty one goals. He's Fallen off since then for, you know, a variety of reasons. But I, I think even going forward for the next couple of seasons at least, um, yeah, I would be surprised if he didn't hit, you know, 20 or 25 goals at least. Um, now, he's not going to be a big overall points guy, not going to be creating a lot of assists. He is a goal scorer, you know. First and foremost, that's what he does. Is he shoots, he scores, Um And like a lot of pure goal scorers, he's streaky. So, you know, you might run into stretches where, you know, it's a few weeks and he's just not finding the back of the net. Um, But then he's going to have a month for you where he's scoring a goal every game. Um, And that's just, even, you know, in his best seasons he's had that, even in his worst seasons he's had stretches like that. So a little bit inconsistent in that regard when you're looking at game to game. But over the course of the season, you're going to find like, oh, okay, yeah, he put up 25, 25 goals. That's great.
0: Okay, that's that seems good. The Flyers um, over the last couple of seasons have had a problem with guys not shooting the puck. So having someone that's kind of a shoot first kind of guy, streaky or not, is going to be good for the team, I think, especially, you know, in a one for one swap for Voracek. He was definitely one of the guys that you would always just be like, why would you pass there? what were you doing? You could have just shot it directly on net and instead you did something else. So the idea of kind of replacing that with someone who's going to shoot the puck on net, in my mind is a positive for Flyers fans going forward. So that's good to know.
1: Yeah. Now I will give one little caveat to that from what we've seen in recent years, um, especially uh, last year, which is his first year without Artemi Panarin on his wing Mm -hmm. uh, after two years of a lot of production being on the line with Panarin. Um, he, he shot a little bit less there in 2019 and 20. And when he did shoot, the quality of shot was down from what it was before. Um, so I don't know if that's just if it was poor decision making on his part or if it was the fact that, you know, he didn't have another star on the line so defenses could focus a little more on him. Mm. Um, I sometimes he was maybe even forcing it a little bit, like, oh, I'm in the zone. Uh, I see the net. I'm going to shoot it, even though. You know, he could have skated in a little bit closer and maybe gotten a better shot. Um, and, you know, that, that season two, he had a number of injuries. So there's just a lot of fits and starts in that year. Um, you know, this year he was he was in the lineup the whole time. And um, uh, I felt like was generally a little bit better about about picking the shots um, again. Still streaky. It uh, was very, you know, it was ice cold in January and then February and March. He was red hot and then he cooled off a little bit again towards the end.
0: So you mentioned injuries there. What kind of injury history are we looking at with him? Um, you know,
1: not not too severe of one. It's not like there's been any sort of nagging problem. Um, you know, there's been a couple times where he's, he's missed time with, like, ankle injuries. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't say that there's anything to be concerned about. I think generally he's been a pretty durable player, um, which, you know, it's a little bit surprising considering his small stature. But um, not something I'd be super concerned about, although – You know at this point this age you know you never know how the body's going to break down after 30 but uh, there's nothing no specific issue to be concerned about there
0: okay that's good so i mean i i did read a little bit about um i only pay like a cursory amount of attention to the columbus blue jackets unless i'm absolutely forced to which like i mean to be fair i'm sure you only pay a cursory amount of attention to the flyers (laughs) unless you're forced to um
1: but, uh,
0: <laughs> uh, I I mean, I did read that the, over the last couple of seasons, he'd kind of fallen off a little bit. And I was a bit concerned that it was kind of just like one of those dramatic physical drop-offs that can happen to a guy, like you said, once he gets north of 30. But it kind of sounds like it may have been more of a mental drop-off that could theoretically work itself out if he finds himself on a line with, you know, some more dynamic wingers like he had in Panarin. Yeah.
1: So there's, I think there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, It's hard to draw too many conclusions about individual players over the last two years in Columbus, just because there's been so much upheaval on the roster. There was then all, you know, the COVID stuff and, um, and just and change in scheme as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the early years of the Torts era, the, the motto was safe as death. You know, he really preached that uh, the players could be aggressive and take chances to create offensive rushes and things like that because, you know, he trusted Bobrovsky and net, And so they could take the chances and knew that he could stop any breakaways the other way. Now, last season, when then we had to switch to two relatively green goalies. Um, the team played a much more defensive-focused game to help those goalies out. Um, and there in 2019-20, that was actually a very effective strategy. Um, they did not allow a lot of quality against, but as part of the trade-off for that, there also weren't as many offensive opportunities for the Jackets as there had been in the previous uh, three seasons. Um, so that had a depressing influence on most players' stats, including camp. Okay, that makes sense. Um. I also think that that, from a mental standpoint, too, the fact that he has been one of the leaders on the team, that um, any stretches of losing or difficulty is something that maybe he took farther, mm. you know, because yeah. you know, I think it's kind of on him. So I do think he could be in a good place in Philadelphia where he's not the guy. He's not going to be counted on to be the primary scorer. He's not going to be counted on to be the voice of the team or the face of the team. The guy, the one that other players are looking up to necessarily. He can just go out there and play his game. Um, And there were times in Columbus where he was able to be kind of quietly successful because he was not the featured guy. Because there was, um, you know, a Brandon Saad or an Artemi Panarin or or, you know other players on the team that that uh, teams had to focus on as well.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because he kind of like behind Rick Nash is like the Columbus Blue Jacket. Like he is the guy, kind of like yeah, you yeah.
1: Know. He is number two uh, and number one or number two in in most of the offensive records in Columbus. Exactly.
0: Okay, so like I said before, for the most part, as far as I've seen from Flyers fans, this has been a pretty universally praised move by Chuck Fletcher. So I would like you to tell me some of the bad things about Cam Atkinson that might drive us a little bit nuts, that we might not know about.
1: Okay, Uh, so, as I said, the streakiness is something that you'll probably be frustrated with, especially if that happens early in the season. Um, There's also, he sometimes loafs at the end of the shift, uh, or just he's a little slow getting off the ice. Um, and that can be a little frustrating. I mean, normally he's—I consider him a guy who hustles, but in that case, he, he just doesn't get off the ice fast enough, uh, which is—it's an odd little thing. But that's always been present. So, if I'm nitpicking, that's something that I—that I would call out there. Um, and there's also the fact that, um, you know, I, I saw one of the articles there uh, that your site posted described him as a, a play driver. Um, And I think that was a description that uh, that your buddy Micah had, had also used to describe him. Uh, I would not describe Cam as a play driver. Hmm. Um, he, he's a bit of a passenger, honestly. He needs other people to set him up. He's not very creative when it comes to creating offense on his own, especially at five-on-five. Five. Um, now, I think in Philadelphia, there are players there, um, like Claude Giroux, who could set him up. Um, guys that can get him the puck in a position where he can shoot it, and then he's a great shooter. Um, but he's not the one that's necessarily creating the shots for himself, creating the space for himself. So um, don't count on him to be driving the play uh, on offense, especially at five-on-five. Five.
0: Okay, so he's he's never going to anchor his own line. He's kind of like the, the good secondary piece.
1: Correct. As I said, okay. he, when you had a guy like Artemi Panera in there who could set him up, he was great um you know last couple of years when yeah when he was the guy um it just didn't work quite as well
0: how is he defensively
1: uh pretty strong actually uh okay. he's. Yeah, uh oh sorry i <laughs> got a message there uh sorry about that uh yeah defensively uh, very strong um it, it was and that's been kind of a, a later thing in his career um when he first broke in he was just this you know Short, scrappy, middle six guy that can, you know, put up these goals. Um, But you never really thought of him as a two-way player. But uh, when Tortorella came in as coach, um, he really took to Cam right away. Now, I don't know if it's because they're both from New England or because they're both really short (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But he started putting him in situations where he was trusted defensively. um, And he got a lot of penalty kill minutes. And he's become – a really, really strong penalty killer. Um, and and the Jackets uh, developed a system. Uh, They're at one of the early teams that adopted what Allison Lucan calls a power kill, mm. where the forwards are given the green light to be pretty aggressive. And, you know, the other forward and the defenders play really conservatively to cover for that. Um, but Cam was really great at that. So really attacking players at the top of the zone, trying to get his stick in there, break up passes, steal the puck. And then once he was able to steal the puck, then with his speed, you know he can get down the ice really quickly and get a breakaway chance. So um, he has scored a lot of shorthanded goals over the years, and that's something that I would expect to continue in Philadelphia. So definitely have him on your first or second uh, penalty kill unit, uh, and he's going to do very well there. Uh, five on five, maybe not necessarily as stellar as you'd expect, but still generally fine you know he's a guy who again despite being small you know he's willing to throw himself against the boards there battle for a puck that sort of thing so um yeah he's i would say he's developed into a a pretty good two-way forward
0: i'm glad you mentioned the shorties because that that was one of the things that i read he's got quite a lot of shorthanded goals over the course of his career which as a mike richards fan i have been sorely missing kevin hayes for a little bit, it seemed like he was going to be the shorty king in Philadelphia, but that kind of dropped off pretty quickly, so maybe Cam can come in and pick up the torch. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, 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 and always, I'd always say, you know, he was a, a shorty scoring shorties.
0: I, I like that. Yeah. The Flyers need more short kings, in my opinion. I don't think that there's enough appreciation for them in Philadelphia, so I'm very excited about getting this little man yeah, absolutely. in the lineup. <laughs> So, is there anything else that you think we need to know about Cam Ward Atkinson?
1: Yeah, I mean, it 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 is um, a bit difficult for me to talk about this. This trade hit me hard because he has been my favorite all time Blue Jacket, Um, and it started mostly because he was short, and I had a friend that met him and said, "Yeah, dude, he's he's as tall as you are." So uh, (laughs) that that was very exciting. So that's always someone that I could uh, you know admire for what he could accomplish despite that. Um, and just the fact that he, you know, we've seen him grow up here, you know, and you know, get married and have kids, uh, really put down roots here. He's, you know, started charities. He has started businesses. Um, and I was pleased to see him say that, you know, his family's still gonna come back to Columbus in the off season. They're still gonna come back here when he retires. You know, this is their home now. Um, and it's been obviously a well publicized issue that, columbus is having trouble retaining top talent um Mm -hmm. and here was a player who was a you know an all-star type player who was willing to sign long term and who really embraced being here um and you know we we expected that seth jones was going to be traded and you know we were resigned to that and we got a pretty good package for it so that we were great with that and then saturday the the news you know, came out that he was being traded and it was very sudden and it took us by surprise and and it hurt too because it's one thing for the guys that don't want to stay here, but when there was yeah. a player who did want to stay in Columbus and then they go ahead and trade him anyway, um, it was just a real shock. And, and a lot of fans here have taken that very hard. Um, there's just that emotional element to the trade that is hard to take um now uh from a hockey standpoint though i get why it happened um you know it's possible that the locker room needed just a change of leadership um mm-hmm. you know in the last year we've gotten rid of nick felino and seth jones and Ken and those are you know three of the four members th- three of the four guys that were wearing an a for the last few years and you know we're starting a rebuild and they figured well he's not not part of the rebuild and and even in Cam's comments to the media. It sounds like he was accepting of that and was recognizing that, you know, most of his friends are gone, and so he's kind of okay with the new start in light of that. Um, And we're getting a contract that is one year shorter, pretty much the same money owed over it. So getting out from the contract a year sooner probably fits with our timeline. And it's good that Jake is a different kind of player than Cam because he's not the goal scorer, but he is the playmaker. And the playmaker is what the Blue Jackets desperately need. So it seems obvious that he's going to be paired up with Patrick Laine. And Patrick Laine is a tremendous goal scorer who needs someone to set him up. And there were not enough guys last year who could pass well enough to get him the puck the way he needed it. And so I'm hopeful that uh, Voracek can set up line A and that they can be a pretty good tandem duo because we desperately need line A to have a bounce back season this year.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you that the thought that was kind of my first thought when I thought about Jake Voracek going to Columbus was that he and line A together is probably going to be a lot of fun to watch yeah. because they're they're both kind of like swaggy assholes. <laughs> a little bit. Sure. But like also, like really, like when they're on their game, they're fun as hell to watch. And I feel like Jake lost it a little bit in Philly and yeah. playing with a guy like Line, a, like if anything's going to pick you back up from, you know, a feeding the puck to somebody that's going to score standpoint, like that's the guy that's going to do it for sure. So yeah, I, I hope that he thrives in Columbus. You know, you never want to see anybody do poorly. And I have to say, like, the the comments that I saw from Atkinson um, about the organization, about the fan base, about Columbus in general, it kind of, I think, really spoke to what we hear about his character, that he's just kind of just a really decent, good dude that's going to provide a lot of stability in what was kind of a messy Flyers locker room over the last couple of seasons. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah.
1: And I feel like Philadelphia is definitely more of a veteran heavy locker room. And I think that's going to be a fit for Cam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be the kind of locker room that he's going to fit in. Whereas maybe he was not going to fit in as well with such a young locker room as, as Columbus is expected to have this year. Um, and I also, I, it's kind of nice to have Voracek coming home. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice end of his career um, also sort of undoes the the damage of that trade because trading him for Jeff Carter was uh, without question the worst trade in Blue Jackets history. Um, it was really quite a devastating trade, actually, for for how much it set the franchise back and uh, basically caused a complete blow up, um, you know, because Carter was a disaster here. Poisoned the locker room, led to Rick Nash wanting out as well. Uh, and then we got to see Voracek be, you know, one of the better Blue Jackets draft picks to that point, go on to have a great career in Philadelphia. And so every bit of success he's had there is kind of stung like, Ugh. we could have had him here because we didn't get anything out of Jeff Carter. So,
0: Well, we can all agree that Jeff Carter ruins everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not so going go to it yeah,
1: that Pittsburgh got him because like oh, okay my least favorite player of all time going to be
0: <laughs> it was a little um, bit scary for me because I was like bullshit well, what if he goes there and he's actually good that's gonna be a problem but nah sure. no worries we're good <laughs> we're good on that front Alex thank you so much for doing this with me I really appreciate it I think that we all learned a little bit about our new pal cam Hopefully he'll be a lot of fun to watch here, and hopefully you guys have a lot of fun watching Jake Voracek.
1: I so too. Yeah, I I have um, you know no shortage of time to talk about Cam because he he has been a, a true favorite of mine, and I hope that this can be the kind of trade that ends up working out well for both teams. That it's the right fit mm-hmm. for both teams and and a good way for each player to uh, you know play out the rest of their career.
0: Yeah, a lot of times these you know the trade was one for one trades are good. Nobody lost trades. They're just trades that needed to happen for both teams for different reasons. And, and this, I think, is probably going to work out to be one of those, which yep. is good. Yep, that doesn't absolutely. always need to be a loser.
1: Exactly. You don't have to get one over on the other team. Like, it, exactly. it makes sense for both sides.
0: <laughs> Alex, I'm sure that we will be talking a bunch over the course of the season now that we're going to be back to normal NHL hockey scheduling. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. It's great to be back in the Metro. Yeah, everybody head on over to the Canon. Check out what they're doing over there. Great work as always. Alex, I hope you have a wonderful evening. Everyone enjoy. Go Flyers.
1: (laughs) Go Jackets.